0: and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Happner.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back. Pure Victory Podcast. We have Matt Andress here today again. Part two of our two-part series with him, sharing his story. Um, And then not only that, today we're going to be talking with him about how he got free, sober, healing on the healing journey and then turning around to help other men um, break free from their porn addiction. And so that's going to be a really great part. If you haven't heard the first part, go back, listen to that because it's going to give you some context to today's episode. So please do that. Um, but if you're here joining us um, and you haven't listened to part one, we're excited to get going into it. So Matt, thanks again, buddy, for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here again. <laughs> so again, uh, we picked up. we're picking up where you, we left off last time. Um, So you're married, newly married, and you guys had gone to camp together, um, served four months, and you're still in this kind of cycle of confessing to Riley, hey, look, the porn, um, and then having maybe a little bit of period where you're doing okay, but then you keep going into that kind of cycle, right, of of sharing or not sharing, depending on if you felt like it, right? So let's start there again. Let's go back uh, to that point and and pick up there.
2: Yeah, so this this cycle probably went on for um close to three years and and you can imagine uh the type of damage that the constant line can do to your wife after just years and years of of having that go on and i know like uh, our story um three years isn't necessarily a long time for a lot of people i know a lot of people that 20 30 years and it's the same cycle so um but even in Within three years, you can do a lot of damage. Yeah. So so Riley is pretty broken down at at this point. And, um, and we're in this weird place of desiring, or myself, I'm in a weird place, of desiring to serve God with my life, but not being able to let go of this sin that I'm just holding on to. Okay. And I don't know why I can't let it go. So we, we end up going back to camp for the next three summers after this. And it's just kind of the same story over and over again. And, um, during this time at camp, we end up having our, we have our first son. I actually think, yeah, I'm gonna be terrible with dates and timelines here with having kids, but (laughs)
0: that's okay.
2: He's almost four. four. Yep. Yep. So we have our first son, Jace. And, uh, and that, that puts a little perspective in your life, but I still can't figure my stuff out. I can't get down to what's what's going on. And we just continue life how it is. Now we just have a kid. And um, I actually ended up taking uh, eight months parental leave when we had Jace. And it was kind of during this time that Riley and I sat down and we're like, okay, what direction is our life going to go in? What do we want to do? We know we want to do ministry. And part of our job at camp was uh, working with, uh, we, we led their, it's called a work group program. So we have kids that come to camp and their job is to clean our bathrooms, um, take care of certain site things, do our dishes. Uh, but at the same time, they're still campers. <laughs> so they, right. so we, we give them, we, we do Bible studies with them every day. And they get to do some camp activities in the evening and that type of thing. But when you're at camp, you see a lot of broken kids. Yeah. You see a lot of brokenness. And uh, it was during that time that we we started to feel a direction into marriage and family ministry because we saw we realized really quickly that a lot of these kids' hurts and pains came from within the family. And um, so that's that's where we felt God leading us was into marriage and family ministry, so we started to pursue that. Uh, When Jace was born, we wrote up a list of what we wanted in a marriage and family ministry. We had no idea where we'd find it. Um, So this is a little side story. We'll quickly get through it. But we ended up having people come over to our home who who worked with Power to Change, and they shared with us about their ministry. And then they also told us that, that they had heard about family life, and they had just thought about us when they'd heard about it. So, so we went online and quickly looked at family life's page and found their job description and point for, for point, it was the list we had made about a year oh, before. Wow. So, so our journey into family life and my journey into sobriety kind of coincide together. So that's why I share that. Wow. So when we, we found that we started to, to reach out to people within family life and start having meetings to hear what they're about. And this is also at the time when like the pandemic is kind of starting. Right. So we couldn't go to any live events. So we started doing um, together for we did it together for good online and and that kind of stuff. But this whole time um, in my mind, I know that I can't join a marriage and family ministry in the state my life is in with pornography. Um, But in my head, I'm like, I know that. um, We need to have our application for family life by I think at that point it was September of. September of 2020, right? And uh, but I couldn't do it because I'm like, there's no way. And I thought like, a couple months before September was coming around, I'm like, if I can just stay sober for a couple months, then I can tell them everything and we'll be fine, and and everyone will know, <laughs> right. and we'll go into ministry and it'll be great. Yeah. And then like a month before September rolls around, I I just like. I wouldn't even call it a relapse. I just went farther into pornography (laughs) and, and just went, went way down. And so it was Riley was hurting because of everything, all the pain I was causing her, but she was also hurting because she had this desire to do marriage and family ministry. And she knew that, well, in reality, I was the one holding us back from doing that. Hmm. So it wasn't that she was excluded from ministry but we are a unit and this is where we felt called. And I was stopping us from, from accomplishing what God had called us to.
1: Wow. So you must've felt pretty down on maybe yourself or you might've oh, yeah. felt um, some pressure too, right? Like, am, am I correct yeah. in saying that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So um, it was early September and we missed putting an application for obvious reasons of me just, is <laughs> using pornography and not actually finding healing yep. and uh then we ended up having a conversation actually it's kind of crazy so if you see the door i guess most people can't see but there's a doorway behind me and uh we had a conversation right in that doorway and riley told me she said matt i love you a lot um but you need to get help you need to get real help and we had I talked about doing counseling before, but I was never willing to do it. Or I couldn't I couldn't force I couldn't pick up the phone to make the call. Yeah. And she said, "Matt, if you're not willing to get real help, you need to leave until you're willing to get real help. Yeah. And once you get help, then we can talk about you coming back." Wow. So, she gave me the option to either leave or or to to get the help I needed. Um, so I think it was the next day I sent an email to, um, to Brent from family life. He's our rep in SAS senior. I think he'll be okay with me using his name. <laughs> oh, <So, laughs> well, I'm sure he will.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I sent an email to Brent, uh, saying there was something I wanted to talk to him about cause he was, he was pushing us to, to put an application. They wanted us to join the team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I set up a meeting with him and I was like, Brent, here's what's going on in my life. I'm a porn addict and I can't join family life, uh, in the state I'm in. So, so we had a conversation about that for a little bit. He's like, give me a day and I'll find something for you. So the next day he sends me an email with, uh, with the contact for a sex addiction therapist in Saskatoon. And he said, here's a, here's a phone number. Give him a call. I'll follow up with you in a month. See how it's going. Hmm. So the, the great thing about the way Brent approached that was, um, he didn't say, "Hey, have you thought about counseling? Maybe this would be good for you. It was here's a phone number." And now it's your choice to uh to use it, but I'm not going to give you the easy out of maybe you should do this. It's like this is what you should do. Yep. And I'll check to see if you're doing it in a month. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So so that was that was awesome. That's that's kind of the and when we talked early in the earlier podcast about hitting rock bottom when Riley told me that either I could leave or I could get help. That was, that was pretty much my rock bottom. I was about to lose my family. Wow. Wow. So, wow. So yeah, that, that was enough to break through the fog in my hip, my brain Yeah. to, to make me start. So, so I was scared. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I was scared. I was terrified. Wow. And, um, I, I phoned the therapist. We, we did a consultation and, um, and then we, we booked uh, our first meeting and, uh, my first meeting was September 23rd of 2020. And I remember the day perfectly because that was the day before our anniversary, our anniversary September 24th. Wow. Um, sorry, I'll try not to get... Uh... But it's crazy because you're so scared. I Because I knew this this was something different. This is something I'd never tried before. Was something I hadn't done. So the day before I uh I start therapy, I decided I'm gonna act out one more time. <laughs> right. One last, and one last kind of w- fling, right? Yeah. One last hurrah. I'm yeah. like, I might never do this again. And it scared me and it terrified me. Hmm. And I didn't know why. And and I learned later why that like it was it was my safety net. Yeah. It was my place to to feel good for a moment to if I was hurting, it, it numbed me from that pain for a little bit. And, and now I realized that's why I was scared to lose it. I didn't know that Jesus could fill those places in my life the way he does. So I was, I'm like, what if it doesn't work the way I think it should? So, yeah, I started therapy on September 23rd and, uh, I did therapy almost every week for like two and a half months. I think it it was, and, and it was a, but I, I also decided that um, th- this is the part where we have to completely surrender our lives to Jesus. And when I decided to get therapy, that was part of my surrender. It was because many times in my life, I would get down on my knees and I beg Jesus, I'm like, take this from me. Like I surrender my life to you. I give you my entire life. It's yours but then I put no action behind those words. I thought saying the words was enough when it wasn't, when it took action alongside the words. So when I decided that I was going to do something, I was terrified to do like take therapy. That was one piece in the surrender. Jesus has, or God has equipped like these people to, to help people like myself. And he's given them these gifts and these talents
1: and, and when I was begging God for a way out, he, he had provided a way. I just wasn't taking it. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the quote, and I mean, you can continue after I say this, but, um, God blesses where you step, not where you stand. Yeah. And, um, and I think there's some truth to what there, are that, and of course what you're sharing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I started, uh, I started therapy and, and this, this is where I would say that I, I really met Jesus for the, like on a real level. Uh, my therapist started to show me how Jesus had been a part of my, or how he had been in my life, the way he had walked beside me through, through my struggles and through my hurts and my pains and how he was always there. And, um, and that's when, yeah, that's when Jesus became real in my life. And it changed my entire, it changed our marriage. Mm -hmm. Like you want to talk about a radical transformation within two and a half months, our, our whole lives changed. And, um, And my wife was able to start finding
1: healing through that. Wow. That's that's so powerful what you're sharing, man. Even in my own life and so many other people that I've journeyed with, it's so incredible how, you know, those moments is really where you you fall in love with Jesus in such a deeper way and you, you see the work um, that he's been doing, but you also acknowledge kind of the, the action that we have to take and then God blesses that and works in that. And it's, that's powerful. Yeah. I've heard it time and time again, (laughs) you know, and I think that's so powerful um, what you're sharing. So that's so cool.
2: Yeah. So I did, uh, I did therapy for, for two and a half months. And then um, it was, I believe November 30th or 31st, however many days are in that month is the last day of November. And I had my, my last therapy session and uh, my therapist um, was just saying, he's like, you know, Matt, I think we're done here. I think we've we've done what we we came to do. Um, and I was shocked. Not shocked, because I had kind of felt that that vibe. But when I started, I was like, am I gonna be in therapy for six months or a year? And everyone's journey and everyone's story about therapy is different. Yeah. It doesn't have to be two and a half months. It can be six months, it can be it can be whatever it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But for myself, it, it ended up being two and a half months. And and he he's like, Matt, I think, I think we're done here. So I actually got my wife to come to the room. Can you just tell her that we're, we're through this (laughs) this piece of it. And, uh, and that was a beautiful moment. Um, It just kind of solidified that there was some real change in my heart. Right. That a a man who was in his seventies and had seen thousands of porn addicts in his life, believed there was enough change in me or that my heart had changed that he was comfortable to be like, we're good for now. If you want to talk again in the future we can but for now I think we've we've dealt with what we need to but I think one reason that I was able to do therapy in two and a half months was from the very first session I had I decided that I was not going to lie anymore mm-hmm. I was going to be honest yeah. and whatever he asked me to do I was going to do it and I wasn't going to hold anything back Wow. so I think that's huge we have to learn how not to lie yeah. we have to learn how to be honest with other people. But so much more importantly, we have to be honest with ourselves. And and to like, when you're being honest with yourself, you find a lot of things you don't like. <laughs> and you dig real deep down in the darkest place of your heart and your soul. And and you find things that are like, man, that that makes me feel like a bad person. A really hmm. bad person. Hmm. It doesn't mean you are, but it makes you feel that way. But then you can, if you can look at those things and pull them out and you can bring them before Jesus and lay them at his feet and he can redeem those things and, and he can take them and, and make them new. And, uh, and so that's what, that's what therapy did for me. I was, I was so blessed with the therapist that I had who, who loved Jesus the way he did and showed me how to, how to dig these wounds out of
1: these, to dig the wounds out and, and how to bring them to Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It just reminds me of, uh, I mean, I know the, the passage in scripture. I think we all know when when Jesus calls Peter forth uh, out of the boat to be fisher to become a fisher of men. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw this uh, the visual of it actually. Uh, if you in, in the uh, the TV series The Chosen. Um, and I just saw this clip of it and it, it's interesting when you see it that way. But, um, Peter of course is on his knees in, 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 in that scene and saying, you don't know who, like how bad I am. Like I'm a, I'm a sinful man. I've done such terrible things. And then Jesus responds by stretching out his hand and saying, come follow me. And I think that mm-hmm. sometimes we don't get that. You know, that's yeah. the honesty in that moment of what Peter did, um, of expressing that such heart-wrenching truth of what he felt about himself. And then Jesus' response to that is love and acceptance, saying, come. And when we get that, and when we're fully honest, like you're talking about Riley, we're honest. We're not hiding anything. We bear our heart um, fully before Lord and Savior of our life, and he offers his hand back and says, come. And the healing that happens in that moment is more powerful, more profound and it can it can be an instant, it can be two and a half months, it can yeah. be however long, right, but when God does that work in our heart, we, he sets us up on a path towards walking with him and and a journey in a life of of that inner healing, but becoming more yeah. and more in love with Jesus, and it transforms us fully so that's yeah. that's powerful what you're sharing, yeah, I know, and it was
2: such an incredible time of, of healing. I'm not saying incredible means good always. It's, yeah, it's, tough. it's hard, right? Heart uh, surgery all, hurts. <laughs> the, the work you have to put in is like nothing you've ever done before. I, so I don't want to minimize the work yes. that goes into it, yeah. but I also want to tell guys like just in the words of the Nike, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. It is so worth the payoff. The the best advice I can give to anyone is the first thing you gotta do is get honest. Yeah. If you can look at yourself honestly and be willing to be honest about everything, that's that's a good first
1: step to take. I I agree wholeheartedly. And there's so much more we could talk about. We could talk about yeah. the the rebuilding of the the trust and intimacy between yeah. you and Riley. I think that'd be a whole other podcast. I'm sure <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but easy, yeah. I wanted to touch base now. Um, on you you've done your story didn't end there Matt like we we know this like you went to the counseling and therapy and then you continued Um, but now you're in the the phase now of leading other men and breaking them free seeing God work through you to help other men be free sober and healthy away from porn so describe how that happened and how amazing that is that you're able to do that so I'll jump back
2: to um, the end of my, my therapy. And like I shared a little bit about uh, our journey into family life and all this stuff is all happening at the same time. Yeah. So I know it's a little bit like two stories in one, but literally the day after I finished therapy, I put an application in to work with family life. And uh, my therapist put a a letter of recommendation on our behalf into family life. Um, just saying, yes, I believe there's change and and on said some really nice things, <laughs> but anyway, so we put in an application, so this is December, and uh Christmas is coming up, and family life was great. They pushed our applications through, got our interviews done, and we got hired in the beginning of January. Mm-hmm. And so right into January, we did our online training and we're trying to cram this in. and at the same time, we got two toddlers at home, and it's <laughs> just and there's a pandemic. It's just chaos. and, uh, so we do our online training quick and then um uh, and then we did our I guess it was again online, but we did a Zoom training for to work with family life, and so by February we started our partner development, so raising our our support and that kind of thing. So we're starting this, and it's at uh, it's at this point that I'm recognizing. I think I knew all along that my greatest enemy was going to be complacency, right? And you can only ride the high for so long. And I didn't want to, what I was living was so much better than anything I'd ever lived before. I didn't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. And one of the fears in my mind is, when does this end? Mm-hmm. When, when does the high go away? And when does old Matt come back? And I was scared. And, uh, and I knew I needed to surround myself with people to, to hold me to account And to help push me on. Um, And we have uh, a sex addictions group, like an essay group in Saskatoon. I didn't know a lot about it. And for some reason, I don't know, I didn't think too much about going to it. Um, We had, I didn't know of any groups in our churches that dealt with this. Like I knew guys had purity groups and stuff, but again, a lot of times I'd, been to those types of groups a lot of times it just became a confession group right and there wasn't a lot of real change happening so I didn't want to to do that and I didn't think there's anything really going on at the time anyway so I was like I can't I there's nothing here and I didn't know about restored ministries at the time either right and um so I started talking to um my therapist my therapist was great he he was like Matt I think God has a big plan for your life. Anytime you need anything, give me a call. So not even not a paid call. He's like, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so uh, I, I phoned him, had a couple of meetings with him. I'm like, I'm thinking of starting a support group for guys. I, am I crazy? <laughs> um, and, uh, and he encouraged me to do it. And I think I ran the idea past. Maybe I mentioned it to Brent as well. So I started to look for resources. On, on what to do, and, and I had no idea what to do, and my, my counselor gave me a couple um, programs to go through, so we ended up landing on a 12-step program that's biblical-based, mm-hmm. and through our support raising, during our support raising with uh, Family Life, we have a lot of um, in-person meetings, so we had met with a lot of people, and, and part of our story was, uh, this, the journey through pornography because that led into into working with with family life so uh that story got I had to get real comfortable with sharing my story real quick yeah yeah <laughs> so it, it uh yeah so I'd ended up sh- it was it's interesting because it, every meeting I would, I'd pray and ask I'm like is this a meeting that I need to share at and um so I'd share sometimes I would sometimes I wouldn't but there was a number of times where I would share our story and the next morning i get a text from the husband
1: hmm. and he'd
2: be like, I'm struggling with pornography wow. and I want help. So I would point them into the direction of, of the counselors that I knew. And, uh, and that was it for them. But then, so I started to build like this connection with guys and, um, and I'm like, yeah, we need it. We need a group. So I I started the group for two reasons. I started it because, I'm like, how can I hold this back from how can I not share this with other men? And uh, the selfish side of it was I want the help. I want the support for myself. So I started it for myself, but also to help other guys. It's actually interesting when you come out of recovery, you're so. I was so excited about what Jesus had done in my life. I'm like, every guy that sees this is going to want this. Mm -hmm. And, And initially when I when I first came out of it, I remember sitting down, having coffee with a couple of guys who I knew were struggling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought I could just project my recovery onto them and they would desire it. <laughs> right. So right. I, was, yeah. I was like telling them about this and like, I I would tell them, I didn't, I didn't even have the money at the time. I'm like, I'll pay your for for your first counseling session. If you just go one time, I'll pay for it. And then you can decide from there. No one ever took me up on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. so that was a little lesson in learning about like, you can't project your experience onto other people. They have to, they have to make the choice themselves. Um, But then when I started having guys reach out and saying that they wanted, they're like, I've never met someone who's found real freedom. Yes. Like I want that. And, and so that's kind of how the the group started coming together. So we started meeting, started with six guys that included myself and we would, uh, it was the summer. So we'd meet in my backyard and, uh, you know, I think our first time was pretty casual. I think we cooked breakfast over the fire mm-hmm. and just got to know each other. And, and then we, we went through this 12, 12 step program. And, and it was um, actually, I just had a conversation with one of the original guys yesterday and we were talking about the original, don't want to, the original six, but, <laughs> but <it laughs> right. was, yeah there's a, there was this, this bond and this brotherhood. And we weren't willing to compromise. Hmm. We were like, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this right, and we're gonna hold each other to such a high standard, and and we're gonna make sure that we do this right. Yep. And we pushed each other and we we shared the deepest, darkest things in our lives that maybe we hadn't even shared with anyone else before. And then we would share something that we had done in our in our deep brokenness. Oh, I didn't know other guys did that. I didn't know that. I like, you start to discover other guys use pornography, but you never think that guys do other, the other freakish things that you've done in your life. So yeah, we were just sharing um, about these deep places in our lives and, and just finding healing in that and, and and bringing it into the light and, and praying for each other. And, and it was just like the most, I don't know if you want to call it ghetto group ever, but we, yeah, we just met in people's backyards and then winter came. So we met in like this dark garage for a while. And, yeah. and then eventually we started having, we had two other guys join about, I don't know, two th- about halfway through our, our book. Cause we were going to do a one year thing wow. and then, then reevaluate from there. Um, so about halfway through, we had two other guys join us. And at the very beginning of the group, I had sat down and wrote out a list of what our purpose was and what we were going to, what our goal was. And our goal was to find healing within ourselves first and then to expand and pass it on. Mm. And uh, so a year started to come around and um, we've seen tremendous growth in men, real change happening in men. And uh, I had never seen that before. And I'd, I'm like, I don't even know if this men's group is going to work. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so we started to see guys having, having real change in their life. And that was so encouraging to watch happen.
1: I love the, the fact that you guys had a vision for turning around and sharing that healing with others and to show what Jesus has done. I mean, you had that as a greater vision. More than just being free from porn, you have a vision to turn around and help. That sounds like it was part of your DNA. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. Yeah, well, our whole – I started,
2: like, during um, my recovery and over the year of running this group, I just read as much material as I could. And one of the habits, actually, that I – because during therapy, you put action plans in place. And even after therapy, I was – I. You know, you have your your ebbs and flows of sometimes you don't put action plans in place as much as you should, but you still maintain that path and 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 your habits and your action plans change over time. But you have to keep reevaluating and replanning. So uh but one of the first action things that I that I put into place was that I wouldn't take my phone into the bathroom with me anymore. Right. So I started leaving books in the bathroom because I was getting bored. So I I think over the last two years I've read probably 10 or 12 books in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's a good place to read. Yeah. <laughs> it is so good. Yep. So for any of the guys out there, maybe you don't like reading, but it's better than being bored in the bathroom. Uh-huh. So <laughs> there you go. So I, I just started to fill up on as much information on this as I could. And I ended up reading Josh McDowell's um study on the porn epidemic within North America. Yep. And I recognized very quickly how deep of a problem I thought uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it's about 75% of men within the church view pornography, at least once a month, it's in that range. And I'm like, we got a serious problem here. We can't keep this just to six guys. (laughs) So, right. Right. So, uh, yeah. So a year started to come around and we started talking about expanding and and that was tough because these guys, they're like, man, this is so good. Like we all love each other so much. And this is, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, but we can't keep it so good to ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah. but and they and they were all aware of that from the beginning. But so, um, we just started being more open with people about what was going on with this group, and uh, within months, we just started having guys flood in. Wow! And um, that's when we started doing. I started uh, talking with with Matt Klein yeah. about uh, doing Pure Freedom Journey. And so we're going to move to that format. So we started that we're about 13 weeks into that, I think. Mm-hmm. And currently we have 18 guys with us. Wow. That's amazing. And it's, it's just, and more coming.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. Just,
2: yeah. And and guys are looking for a place that's real. And, and we want to hold people to a, a standard that, uh, that the Bible calls us to, to live completely holy lives set apart Mm. and, and to give guys a place where if you come, it's, it's not okay. If you screw up, but we're not, we're not going to guilt and shame you for it, but we're also not going to just let you move on. We're going to sit down. We're going to find out what's going on as far as what's, what's your lead up to this. What's right. What, what kind of a state of mind were you in? What kind of hurts and pain? Were you feeling lonely or, what hurt happened in your life recently that that brought you to the point of relapse and
1: how are we going to put a new action plan in place to combat this next time sure wow this is so powerful matt um i, I remember you sharing the first kind of thing uh, in the first podcast there uh, as a as a, um, a teenager being in the corner having put up your hand to saying hey i look at porn and having everybody not standing there with you because they didn't want to do that. But looking at you, you felt that shame and embarrassment in that moment to now coming forward, how God redeemed that and where you are now. I don't hear any shame. I don't hear any embarrassment. I hear the power of God working through you. So this is where I want to kind of, let's leave with this last few thoughts here. Um, What have you learned through this journey of how God's worked in you and now that you're turning around and helping others? What have you learned through that process? And then, why do you think it's important to turn around and help so the kind of those two parts does that make sense? yeah, so what
2: kind of what have I learned, and why is it important to yeah to pass this on right? I think one of the biggest things I've learned is that nobody is too broken for Jesus to heal hmm. and what I've also learned through the process is uh, to extend the grace that Jesus extended to me hmm. after being a um I'm actually, uh, September 23rd will be my uh, second year anniversary of sobriety. Wow. Which is, I'm pretty excited about. So, um, but over two years, you can start to become frustrated when men don't change as fast as you think they should. Right. So to extend the grace to these men that Jesus has extended to me and to love as Jesus has loved and through the healing I've gone through, I now have the capacity to have that compassion, to have that love where before I couldn't. Mm. So, so I've learned about grace and compassion and loving others the way Jesus loved me, but also to love myself how Jesus loves me. So Sweet. I guess your second part there was on um, why is it important to, to help others? Well, I think it's important because so many men struggle with it. Yep. and And how can I take this gift... That God's given me and not share it. Hmm. How can I not pass this on? How I see so many hurt people? How can I just hold on to it for myself? It, I, I just can't.
1: yeah I don't think there's anything more that needs to be added to that, because that's, <laughs> that's so true. And um, if you're listening out there, I hope you picked up on a couple of things um, I did for sure, and one of them Matt said is the choice he had to make. In that moment when he was, I guess, kind of when Riley, his wife, gave him that ultimatum if I don't know if ultimatum is the right word, but the challenge that she yeah. gave him, and then he had to make that choice, even though it was scary, you might be at that point. What is that choice that God is revealing to you? Because I know that, you know, Matt would say it, I would say it. The other Matt who isn't here would say it, <laughs> that um, sometimes we're stuck. We're standing. We aren't making any decisions out of the the place that we are. And we think that that's, we're just going to stay there forever and hopefully get better. And it doesn't work that way. So what is that choice that you have to make? Even though it's scary, we empathize with you in that. But man, is it so good to make that choice and the journey you can enter on. Um, And then not only that, have a vision. As God works in your life, what could it look like to be completely free, to have healing, walking with Jesus, and you can turn around and extend an arm to pull your brother or sister out of the muck. How powerful is that? And you can do that. We believe that for you. Um, and we believe in uh, the, the power of, of God working in you to just bring that about in your life. So um, thank you so much, Matt. And if you're in the Saskatchewan area, Matt's okay. Is it okay if I leave your email in our show notes if someone wants yeah. to reach out to you?
2: Email, phone number, whatever, it's open.
1: Okay, so if you're in the Saskatchewan area, Saskatoon, Martinsville, um, I, guess, I guess that'd be central Saskatchewan, right? Yeah. Be, yep. yeah. Um, reach out to them. Maybe this is a group that you could be a part of. Um, and even if you're not in that area, there's so many great resources, Pure Freedom, Journey, um, email us. There's groups happening all across uh, the nation, but it's digital. And so you, wherever you are, you can tap into this and be part of a group of what like Matt's talking about of other men, other women that are uh, moving in freedom and, and have that community. Um, so we encourage you to do that. Please do that. And we're praying for you, but thank you so much, Matt, for taking this time with me. Uh, it was so great hearing your story. Uh,
2: thanks for having me. I, I had a, it was weird, but I had a lot of fun. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's funny how these things work. Hey, doing a podcast on porn is a lot of fun. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, thanks Matt and everybody out there. Bless you. We're praying for you.